Greeting the peace in the name of Jesus, who is our coming Savior. So we're now in the season of Advent. The color has turned to blue. It's a season of hope. Advent's more about the second coming of Christ than the birth of the Christ child, even though all earthly activities that we deal with deal with the coming of the Christ child. So I'd like you to answer true or false. You don't have to do out loud, but do in your heart. I spend more time preparing for my Christmas celebrations than preparing my heart for the birth of Christ and my time serving my God before his coming. True or false? Do I have the answer out loud? Where do you spend your time? Preparing for Christmas Day and all the activities and travel plans or your heart for the coming of Christ, his second coming? This is a picture of Napoleon's Girls Division II basketball team at the Columbus Value City Arena on March 12, 2020. Here you can see them warming up. They're all excited before the tip-off. It's a semifinal game, and Napoleon's undefeated, and they're a favorite to win state now. They, they didn't win it that year, but they won it the next year. And they are pulled off the floor during warm-ups. Can anyone tell me why? Yeah, not only so, but if you remember two days beforehand, Napoleon fans, and I know people in Napoleon or D.C. there, were planning to go down and watch their team play, but they couldn't because they didn't want people to gather together in the arena. But they still thought they could have the girls' game until they said, that's it. Even though it's just officials and coaches and maybe some managers and maybe the parents scattered out, we just can't have the game, and they were pulled off. Something that they didn't what? Prepare for. The hurt and the pain of an undefeated season and a hope for what might have been. They weren't prepared for that. And let's be honest, were we all prepared for that pandemic? Yes or no? No, not at all. I didn't take COVID-101 at seminary. We didn't know how to deal with it. Church didn't know how to deal with it. Society didn't know how to deal with it. We were very unprepared for that, but that's what happens. This is another picture. It's taken in Darwin, Australia. Now, what's unique about this picture is that for somehow, some reason, there must be a cameraman who is extremely talented to catch what? the burst of lightning. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, our screen just doesn't do it justice. But in many ways, they are prepared for it. Why are they prepared for it? Well, because how can they perfectly capture the picture of Darwin, Australia? They are very prepared because there are four different thunderstorms that can simultaneously occur there. And they have all the cameras going ready to capture that picture. Isn't it beautiful? Darwin, Australia. The blessings of not being prepared and what? Being prepared. And so our Lord... In this time of the year, he tells us a parable. Once again, a parable is an iron fist and a velvet glove. They're not nice stories for nice children, nice classroom by nice teachers. That's not a parable. A parable is an iron fist and a velvet glove for five of them. For that, while they were on their way to buy their oil, the bridegroom arrived at the door and the door is shut. So here's ten maidens who represent mankind and oil represent faith. And the oil from five ran out, which meant they lost faith. They had to go out and find it. And while they were finding it, Christ came back to take the five with oil to be with them. And the door went shut. It's a story of being what? Prepared and what? Not prepared. And this leads right into this. The Boy Scout Handbook. Now, that's an older version. I'm not sure if any of you remember that, even old that. I have a version not quite that old. I don't know, is that 40s or 50s? Okay. Anyone know the Boy Scout motto? Go ahead and say it again. Now, yesterday I watched the ball game. One team seemed more prepared than the other team, and that's the end of the talk about, okay? Have you ever been prepared for something or not prepared for something else? But the Boy Scout motto is, say it, be prepared. Now, I think 
Their founder, Baden-Powell, um, was somewhat immersed in Christianity, um, and we're going to find out more why later. But it was founded by Baden-Powell in 1908, and the motto came from his two first initials, Baden, B, P, Powell, Baden-Powell, be prepared. And what Baden-Powell means by, by that, and if you read the Boy Scout handbook, it'll say two things to be prepared. First of all, my mind is mentally awake. I'm mentally able to deal with any situation that may occur to me. If I'm talking to any Boy Scouts out there, or former Boy Scouts out there, you're very well aware of that. To be prepared means that my mind, I know the situation I'm in, and I know what it means to be prepared for me to succeed in the situation. And the other thing to be prepared is my body is physically strong. I can physically deal with anything that comes my way. To be prepared is more than just some slogan, but it means I'm actually going to take the time to be mentally engaged in my surrounding and what needs to be done, and my body's going to be physically strong enough to deal with that. Be prepared. Be prepared for what, though? In this, the color blue, the season advent. Can you read this with me? And read this with me. So you and I are called to be prepared for Christ's second coming. Be ready to take the picture. Be mentally awake. Be physically strong. Have my heart and soul ready. Have the oil of faith to be ready for Christ's coming because He's going to come when nobody knows. And there's people, friends in Christ, who make a lot of money saying they know when Christ will return. And sometimes their books and their movie series make their way even into our church because they know something about the day or the week or the hour when Christ comes and they make a lot of money and all the time they're wrong. But you and I are called to be prepared because do we know when Christ is going to come back? What's the answer? No one knows. Not even the Son of Man and His humanity knows. Be prepared because we do not know when the Lord is going to come. And so Jesus compares this coming to the narrative of Noah. Are you familiar with Noah? Of course we are. Noah was asked by God, God. God said, Noah, I want you to build this big ark in a hill in the desert. Say what? I want you to build an ark for me in a hill in the desert. Say what again? Nobody builds a hill, builds an ark in a hill in the desert. That's just not a wise thing to do. Noah, this is what I want you to do. Build an ark in a hill in the desert. And for 20 or 30 years, he built the ark. And this is what Jesus compares the day of Noah to, to our day. Read it with me, please. Same thing today. I live my life. There's marriages I go to. I have to go to funerals. I eat and drink. I prepare for every day. I do all the activities. I go to work and do everything. And the same thing happened in the day of Noah. However, read the rest with me. For the coming of the Son of Man, the same thing will happen. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my own world. If I'm in college, I'll study hard. If I'm a parent, I'm going to raise my kids. If I'm older, I'm going to prepare for retirement. I'm going to live my life. And just like it, when the rains came, they came. And some were took away. I'm going to hold on to that. Jesus says, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to come at a time when no one's going to expect me. And the flood will come and take some of them away. 
Now, Pew Research said this a few years old, but I think you're going to get my point. Increasingly, fewer Americans are certain of Judgment Day, which means a lot of people don't think there's going to be a Judgment Day. Because isn't that God all love? I mean, really not that bad. I don't do a whole lot of bad things. There's not going to be a Judgment Day. God's not going to hold me accountable. I don't really believe that God's going to do that. But there will be a Judgment Day. And Judgment Day, on Judgment Day, we will be held accountable for our sins. Paul says in Romans, for all mankind will be held accountable before God for their sins. There will be a judgment day. There is a judge. Right and wrong does exist, and justice does exist. God promises it. Every week we say in our creeds, he'll return for the living and the dead. He shall come again and gather to himself the living and the dead. There will be a judgment day. And by the way, why do fewer people believe there's a judgment day? Well, you know, when the cat's away, mice will what? If no one's going to hold me accountable, then guess what I'm going to do? Whatever I want. Isn't it true, friends in Christ, that if we had a boss that didn't care much, did we really work all that hard? Or if we had a teacher who didn't expect much, did we really do a whole lot? Or if we reset, no matter what I do, it really doesn't matter. I just go along with the flow. But there will be a judgment day. Christ will return in judgment. By the way, if there is no judgment day, then I don't need a Savior. So be prepared. What will happen better yet? How will it happen? And friends in Christ, it didn't really put up the picture of the maidens. Again, the ten maidens. Because if you notice, they're in two different pictures as if they were separated. Five are begging for oil and five are going with their bridegroom to the celebration. You see, Judgment Day will be like this. Read it with me. Okay, now, now some people see this as a rapture. You know, some people be left on heaven, some people left on earth. There's some truth in that. But what Matthew is getting at is how fast it's going to come. Two guys are going to be filled, one guy's going to be, in, be up in the air. Two women going to the farm are going to be gone. Matter of fact, what Matthew's getting at is there's going to be a separation. It's going to come quickly. Much like those five with oil and five without oil, there'll be separation. Or much like the flood, the flood separated, the flood took them away, there's going to be a separation. Jesus says in the next chapter that when he comes back, he'll separate the goats from the sheep, the left from the right, the unjust from the just, the unbelievers from the believers, for those who didn't care about the lonely, the sick, those in prison, hungry or thirsty, and those who did care about the lonely, hungry, sick, and those in prison. For Judgment Day will be a day of separation. Separation of those who are cast away, God's judgment will take them away to eternal punishment and those to be with the Lord. Which reminds me of the parable of the weeds. Can you read that with me? The field is the world. So you and I, we live in defiance. We go drive by fields all the time. All the fields mostly are picked, right? You see the open field, and Jesus compares humanity with a field. And the field grows either good wheat or good stuff, and the field grows weeds. The good stuff are believers, the bad stuff are unbelievers. And let's continue this. The harvester are angels. Go ahead.
once again, separation. Do you ever look at a field? I'm not a city, I'm not a farm boy. I married a farm gal, a country gal. I'm a city boy. It's not used to fields, but I notice once in a while I look in a cornfield, there's some soybean and other weeds. You ever look at a soybean field and some corn in there? There's other weeds in there not supposed to be in there? Well, that's how God sees the world. Here's my church, and there's some in there who don't believe, who are unjust, part of the left. They're the goats. They don't care for others. In another parable, someone says, Jesus, you want me to go in and pull them all up? And Jesus says, let them be. Should we kick people out of the church? No. Jesus says, let them grow with you. I will decide. At the end time, I'll send my angels, and he'll separate the good from the bad. Once again, the coming of Jesus is a day of what? Separation. It'll come quickly. Nobody will know. So what does it mean for me to be prepared? Okay? Let's go back to the story of Noah. Can you read this with me? Friends in Christ, every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year goes by, you and I are closer to the coming of Christ. We're not only closer to our own death, every second, minute, hour, day, week, month, and year, but we're closer to the coming of Christ. And then St. Paul says this, wake up. Don't live like the world. Don't think like the world. Wake up. Look around. Be prepared. We are not part of the world. We're not the weeds. We're not the weeds in the great field. Wake up. Wake up and do not live like that. Wake up from your slumber and live as children as light because that is who we are. Be like faithful Noah. Build the ark where? In the hill in the desert for 30 years. Be a witness. The world will be amazed. You're different than everybody else. You care. You love. You listen. Dr. Martin Luther says this. Can you all read it with me? Which means in our vocation, whether Jesus is coming back tomorrow, a year from now, a thousand years from now, we keep on our vocation. What is that? Well, if you're a student, you learn. If you're a teacher, you teach. If you're a pastor, you preach. If you're a citizen. You're a godly citizen. If you're an employer... You will treat your employees with respect, expecting them to do honest work. If I'm an employee, I'll be dedicated to my task. Wherever God has placed me, I'll be faithful in vocation because God has called me to do. Be like Noah, faithful. Build an ark in the desert on a hill. Do what God has called me to do. Okay, and be prepared. Let's go back to that. Be prepared. Now, I went to a, my old Boy Scout handbook and I pulled out some very moving words from the Boy Scout Oath. So I'll read it to you, because I think it fits. I think Baden-Powell saturates the Boy Scouts, uh, the Boy Scout Handbook with, with Scripture. On my honor, I'll do my best to do my duty to who? And my country, and obey the Scout Law. Now here's a cooler thing about the Scout Law. So of course, I'm dedicated to God. To help other people when? Doesn't that sound like love your neighbor as yourself? I think so. Help the needy, the sick, the hungry, the lonely, those in prison, Jesus in Matthew 25. To keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and what? Such as the days of Noah. Such as two men in the field. One's gone, two women in the grind mill. One gone, one there. Be prepared. By faith in Christ, the oil burning. 
And so the last thoughts, friends in Christ, be prepared for what a day of rejoicing. I like to quote Martin Luther again. You can read it with me. Yeah, the angels are God's chosen. They can no longer sin. They're confirmed in righteousness. They serve God. They will come and separate the good from the bad. They don't fear the judgment day. They know it's God's reckoning for righteousness. It's his day to bring his children to glory. We don't need to fear judgment day. Fear judgment day as little as the angels in heaven. We're in good. We're declared righteous. We have the oil of faith. It's a day of celebration. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? And being prepared, all God's people say, Amen. Amen.